0: Chapter twenty six of Timothy Crump's Ward by Horatio Alger This Levervox recording is in the public domain Chapter twenty six Never Too Late To Mend Meanwhile Peg was passing her time wearily enough in prison. It was certainly provoking to be deprived of her freedom just when she was likely to make it most profitable. After some reflection she determined to send for Mrs. Clifton, and reveal to her all she knew, trusting to her generosity for a recompense. To one of the officers of the prison she communicated the intelligence that she had an important revelation to make to Mrs. Clifton, and absolutely refused to make it unless the lady would visit her in prison. Scarcely had Mrs. Clifton returned home After recovering her child, then the bell rang, and a stranger was introduced. "'Is this Mrs. Clifton?' he inquired. "'It is.' "'Then I have a message for you.' The lady inclined her head. "'You must know, madam, that I am one of the officers connected with the city prison. A woman was placed in confinement this morning who says she has a most important communication to make to you, but declines to make it except to you in person.' can you bring her here sir that is impossible we will give you every facility however for visiting her in prison it must be peg whispered ida the woman that carried me off such a request mrs clifton could not refuse she at once made ready to accompany the officer she resolved to carry ida with her fearful that unless she kept her in her immediate presence she might disappear again as before as jack had not yet returned a hack was summoned and they proceeded at once to the prison ida shuddered as she passed beneath the gloomy portal which shut out hope and the world from so many this way madam they followed the officer through a gloomy corridor until they came to the cell in which peg was confined the tenant of the cell looked surprised to find mrs clifton accompanied by ida How do you do, Ida? she said, smiling grimly. You see, I've moved. Just tell your mother she can sit down on the bed. I'm sorry I haven't any rocking chair or sofa to offer you. Oh, Peg, said Ida, her tender heart melted by the woman's misfortunes. How sorry I am to find you here. Are you sorry? asked Peg, looking at her in surprise. You haven't much cause to be. I've been your worst enemy are one of the worst. I can't help it, said the child, her face beaming with divine compassion. It must be so sad to be shut up here, and not be able to go out into the bright sunshine. I do pity you. Peg's heart was not wholly hardened. Few are. But it was long since it had been touched as it was now by this great pity on the part of one she had injured. You're a good girl, Ida, she said. And I'm sorry I've injured you. I didn't think I should ever ask forgiveness of anybody, but I do ask your forgiveness. The child rose and, advancing toward Peg, took her large hand in hers and said, I forgive you, Peg. From your heart? With all my heart. Thank you, child. I feel better now. There have been times when I thought I should like to lead a better life. It is not too late now, Peg. Peg shook her head. Who will trust me after I have come from here? I will, said Mrs. Clifton, speaking for the first time. You will? Yes. And yet you have much to forgive. But it was not my plan to steal your daughter from you. I was poor and money tempted me. Who could have had an interest in doing me this cruel wrong? one whom you know well mr john somerville surely you are wrong exclaimed mrs clifton in unbounded astonishment it cannot be what object could he have had can you think of none queried peg looking at her shrewdly mrs clifton changed colour perhaps so she said go on peg told the whole story so circumstantially that there was no room left for doubt. I did not believe him capable of such wickedness, she ejaculated. It was a base, unmanly revenge. How could you lend yourself to it? How could I? repeated peg. Madam, you are rich. You have always had whatever wealth could procure. How can you understand the temptations of the poor? When want and hunger stare us in the face, "'We have not the strength to resist that you have in your luxurious homes.' "'Pardon me,' said Mrs. Clifton, touched by these words, half bitter, half pathetic. "'Let me, at any rate, thank you for the service you have done me now. "'When you are released from your confinement, come to me. "'If you wish to change your mode of life and live honestly, henceforth, I will give you the chance.' "'You will?' said Peg eagerly. "'I will.' "'After all the injury I have done you, you will trust me still? "'Who am I that I should condemn you? "'Yes, I will trust you and forgive you.' "'I never expected to hear such words,' said Peg. "'Her heart softened and her arid eyes moistened with unwanted emotion. "'Least of all from you. "'I should like to ask you one thing. "'What is it?' "'Will you let her come and see me sometimes?' she pointed to ida as she spoke it will remind me that this is not all a dream these words which you have spoken she shall come said mrs clifton and i will come too sometimes thank you said peg they left the prison behind them and returned home mr somerville is in the drawing-room said the servant he wishes to see you mrs clifton's face flushed i will go down she said Ida, you will remain here." She descended to the drawing-room and met the man who had injured her. He had come with the resolve to stake his all upon a single cast. His fortunes were desperate. Though the mother's love for the daughter whom she had mourned so long, whom as he believed he had in his power to restore to her, he hoped to obtain her consent to a marriage, which would retrieve his fortunes and gratify his ambition. Mrs. Clifton seated herself quietly. She did not, as usual, offer him her hand. Full of his own plans, he did not notice this omission. "'How long is it since Ida was lost?' inquired Somerville. Mrs. Clifton started in some surprise. She had not expected him to introduce this subject. Eight years,' she said. "'And you believe she yet lives?' "'Yes, I am certain of it.' John Somerville did not understand her aright. He felt only that a mother never gives up hope. "'Yet it is a long time,' he said. "'It is—a long time to suffer,' she said. How could anyone have the heart to work me this great injury? For eight years I have led a sad and solitary life—years that might have been made glad by Ida's presence there was something in her tone which puzzled john somerville but he was far enough from suspecting the truth rose he said after a pause do you love your child well enough to make a sacrifice for the sake of recovering her what sacrifice she asked fixing her eyes upon him a sacrifice of your feelings explain you talk in enigmas listen then i too believe ida to be living withdraw the opposition you have twice made to my suit promise me that you will reward my affection by your hand if i succeed and i will devote myself to the search for ida resting day nor night till i am able to place her in your arms then if i succeed may i claim my reward what reason have you for thinking you should find her asked mrs clifton with the same inexplicable manner i think i have got a clue and you are not generous enough to exert yourself without demanding of me this sacrifice no rose he said i am not unselfish enough but consider a moment will not even that be poor atonement enough for the wrong you have done me she spoke rapidly now for the grief and loneliness and sorrow which your wickedness and cruelty have wrought i do not understand you he said turning pale it is enough to say that i have seen the woman who is now in prison your paid agent and that i need no assistance to recover ida she is in my house what more could be said john somerville rose and left the room his grand scheme had failed end of chapter twenty six